Do you ever feel that life gets on top of you and that you get to a state where you really, really struggle to cope with life? You find, you find everything too overwhelming. Well, today we're going to talk about stress and very specifically we're going to talk about polyvagal theory, which has got some interesting insights to offer in relation to stress. So stay tuned and if you want to find out more about how to manage stress, particularly in the context of relationships, head over to the Relationship Mace. Welcome to this week's podcast. And as Angela talked about, we're going to be talking about stress and uh, particularly also polyvagal theory. Uh, just to start with, I'm Tom Mackay. And I'm Angela Dukes. So stress, well, let's um, start by talking about what is stress. And if you look at a dictionary definition of stress, mm. stress is really is a sort of pressure or tension that's applied to an object. And in, in life, we experience that in many different ways. So not so much physical stress necessarily, although some people do experience that as well, but more sort of emotional and psychological stress. Mm. Yeah, so stress very often gets uh, defined through the symptoms, so to speak, through experience that you have. So, you know, experiences that you have on a physiological level. So stress often uh, causes chronic headaches, stomach problems, for example. Or this sort of, uh, another symptom might be that you might feel very flat, you can't uh, have uh, joyous experiences in life anymore, or you feel very angry, for example. Yeah, so this is this is often how stress gets experienced. Yeah, and just to be really clear about that, so as, uh, the, those are the symptoms of the body's response to stress. So yeah. it's not the stress itself causes those, it's our, it's our response to it. Yeah. And in fact, there's different types of stress, because mm. we have positive stress and negative stress. So stress is often bounded around as being like a bad thing mm. but it's not necessarily because without some sort of stress we probably mm. wouldn't get out of bed in the morning it's mm. like you know just for a moment think like why did you get out of bed this morning why did you get out of bed this morning Angela because I had to maybe <laughs> so <it's laughs> or I wanted to but largely because yeah. I had to yeah and I think actually those two words define it so yeah. I had to or I wanted to yeah so both of those define some sort of stress or movement so yeah. pressure or movement yeah. so if you have to it's like well I have to get out I have to go to work so there's like some sort of pressure to do that mm. if you want to again it's more of a moving forwards uh, momentum but again there's some sort of movement mm. almost that's you know that sort of pressure or tension that's applied but in a positive way mm. so we can talk about stress as being eustress which is eu stress mm. uh, which basically is positive stress which is that thing that motivates us or we can talk about stress as being negative stress which is sometimes called distress mm. which is where the body's put under a negative pressure pressure and in fact, it's shown through a lot of studies that we need a certain amount of stress to actually function optimally. Mm -hmm. But the problem is that if that level of stress is too high or it goes on for too long a time, then it has a negative impact. So there's two different factors. Mm -hmm. We need a certain amount of stress in our lives. We need yeah. a certain amount of pressure, which can come from internally. So like Angela was saying, you know, you might get out of bed because you want to. Mm -hmm. So that's like internally kind of framing what we want to do. Yeah. Or more with a have to get out of bed, whereas it's like there's an external thing that's making us doing it, like having to pay the bills, having to go to work, mm -hmm. which essentially, you know, there's those two, two different levels with that. Yeah. Good, yeah, and I think one useful model that we wanted to talk about a little bit today is polyvagal theory, 
uh, which has been around for some time now. Um, it's still there's still a discussion to what extent some of the findings of polyvagal theory are um, backed up by research, and there seems to be indications that you know there's uh, evidence for this. But but as a theory, I think it's quite interesting, and elements of it you're probably quite familiar with. So what is it? So it was developed by um, Stephen Porges a while ago. I think I can't remember actually. So early 2000s, I think. Um, and poly means many. Uh, vagal refers to the vagus nerve, which is a very long nerve that basically connects our brain stem to our stomach. So it creates this connection between brain and stomach. Um, and what Porges talks about is that um, we, in, in the past, we've always had this uh, definition of stress as either being we're stressed, we're on, basically, there's, uh, we are stressed, or we're not stressed, we're off, so to speak. So it's an on and off switch that that we refer to. Now, Paul just introduced another element to the whole discussion about on or off, so to speak, stress or no stress. So he um, distinguishes between different um, states that, we're that we can be in on a physiological level that also then have an impact on our mental state, our emotional state. Um, and he says that there are sort of multiple uh, stress uh, um, activation systems that we can have. The first one, when we are in a good state, uh, in a good sort of nervous state, our autonomic surface, uh, nervous system is in a good state, is what he calls the ventral vagus, uh, uh, the ventral vagal, sorry about that, the ventral vagal social activation. That's when we can be very connected with other people, we can be open to other people, um, we're able to engage with other people, we've got capacity to feel empathic, for example, we feel present, we feel connected, uh, and we're feeling safe, ultimately, in our connection with other people. We're feeling safe in the world. And because we're feeling safe, we have capacity to engage with others. Now, if we're stepping, uh, taking one step further down the, the polyvagal ladder, uh, another system, another nervous state that we can be in is when we are uh, in sympathetic activation. That's, uh, that is when we are perceiving threat and uh, threats. And that's very often... When, uh, when we talk about stress, uh, often we refer to stress because our sympathetic nervous system is activated and we are preparing, our body is preparing for fight or flight. So we're mobilizing in either direction, either we're going to fight back or we're going to run very quickly. And you will know when you're in this state because uh, you notice that you start sweating more, your heart starts racing, adrenaline is pumping around your body. So you might have quite a flushed face as well. Um, you might feel a bit more anxious. So you're in this kind of hyperactive state where um, you need to do something. Yeah. So you need to either run or fight, basically. And this can, of course, if you uh, this kind of system in evolutionary terms, this was the system that kind of enabled us to run when we saw a tiger somewhere in the desert. It was meant to be it's a system that kind of mobilizes our body for very quick action. Um, and often when we are in a chronic, uh, you can imagine that if you're in a chronic uh, state of stress, this is really quite unhealthy for your body because your body is only meant to kind of prepare for action very briefly to get you out of danger. Now, okay, so I've talked about the sympathetic nervous system. Now, another, if we take another step down the ladder of activation, um, this is what Porges refers to as the dorsal vagal shut down. So if you realize that, oh, I can't do anything here, I can't really run, you know, I can't run fast enough away from this situation, or I can't fight back, 
Another way of responding to danger is to just play dead, to just shut down completely. Uh, often it's described as the freeze response. That's when everything kind of gets uh, driven down, your whole system gets driven down, and you get into a state of collapse, so to speak. Your body kind of goes uh, goes into a sort of into a shutdown. Um, and this is the sort of state very often when um, uh, frequently uh, depression is, is, is a form of this kind of state. So if you experience this over a long period of time, if you go into this kind of shutdown, um, you might feel, you might have feelings of hopelessness, you might feel very ashamed a lot of the time. Um, you have this sense of being quite stuck. Yeah? Uh, and what we want to, and basically, uh, if you are in this state, what needs to happen is that you need to start to mobilize again mobilize, get out of it, get more into, get a little bit more activated, uh, get even into this sympathetic nervous system, first of all, where you get a little bit more hyper before you can then also move up the ladder again and create a, a state of safety and connection. So, um, so as I said before, if we are stressed very frequently, can be experienced either uh, in terms of uh, sympathetic nervous uh, system activation where you're in this hyper state of frenzy, of blood rushing through your system, um, etc. So obviously this very often happens in our modern life because we've got a lot of stresses in our life. I mean, we're not just running away from a tiger, we're also running away from all sorts of other uh, demands that are being made of us. We might have a critical boss, for example, at work, you might have ridiculous deadlines, you might have children at home at the same time, want attention. So our modern life actually offers a lot of stresses that uh, activate our sympathetic nervous system. And uh, and in the long run, this is creating a lot of physiological problems. So you can develop chronic pain, you can um, have constant stomach problems, because again, the body is pumping, you know, pumping blood around. Um, you can have um, hyperactivity, so I mean all sorts of all sorts of physiological presentations uh, that we have with stress. And often, also, what's interesting is that we can people can be in sort of two states at the same time. So there can be an element of you know trying to activate parts of the system that connects us with other people. Uh, and often we see people who seem to be kind of quite calm on the surface. Um, but underneath it, they're kind of pedaling away and they're constantly, you know, in this state of anxiety and distress. Uh, and so, so people can present as very calm or they can often present as very angry as well. So, you know, something needs to have an outlet. One way of mobilizing into this, uh, you know, sympathetic nervous system is to kind of be, show a lot of anger. So what we want ultimately is um, to kind of move people up the ladder from if they have completely collapsed in their stress, and that can happen. Often this is called burnout, for example. That's one term that's been used to describe this. We need to kind of mobilize them into a sort of slightly more hyperactive state and then ultimately move away from that as well and help to regulate to the extent that people can feel connected again, have social connections with others. So it's a long, long explanation of polyvagal theory, but I think it's quite interesting to kind of uh, to conceptualize stre stress in in terms of physiology. Yeah, and, and as Angela said, you know, it's it's an evolutionary response in response to danger. Mm -hmm. um, but centuries ago, or thousands of years ago, 
running from a tiger or fighting a tiger might be appropriate. But mm. the thing, the, one of the problems is that we, the threats that we face today, they're not physical threats, mm. but our body responds to them as if they're physical threats. Yeah. So this is one of the challenges is that basically we're responding to things in a way that isn't really appropriate. No. So it's about kind of learning new ways to respond to the situations that we have in life. And because, um, and, and as Anka was saying, you know, if we have stress over too long a time, mm. even if it's not too high a level, but if it's mm. prolonged, mm. that can cause problems. Or if we have too much stress over a short space of time, mm. that can cause similar problems. As well. And there's yeah. also, I mean, it's, part of it is kind of, is, is, is recognising, uh, is recognising that you are under this constant, mm. that you might be uh, in a constant state of having your sympathetic nervous system activated, and you might not even be aware of it. You might just notice that there is a discomfort, that you have uh, tummy problems, for example, back problems, headaches a lot mm. of the time. So it's kind of uh, realising, uh, first of all, what are the symptoms here, what are the signs that are telling me that I, that I am in this particular state? Yeah, and I remember years and years ago, I was uh, doing some work for somebody who um, basically worked in the city, was very successful, I think working in the stock market, and really seemed to love the job. Uh, day after day would work 12 hours or kind of longer, and um, re really horrendous hours, like seven days a week. Uh, one day, just suddenly woke up and thought, I can't do it anymore, and got on the first flight to another country for six months and just, just mm. couldn't face it. So mm. sometimes... Uh, we don't even experience stress as negative. And like I said, there is positive stress. Some is good. Um, so it's not that all stress is bad. So I think it's easy. To, again, we don't want to make a distinction that it's it's kind of digital, but it's this or that. Um, so some stress can be useful. We need it. Um, but it's when, you know, even if there's too much positive stress, even stress that feels kind of like it's motivating, like feels like it's uh, really kind of all the time we've got this adrenaline rush, which we feel positive, over time, that can also lead to what some people call burnouts. Although burnout's not a technical, mm. uh, it's um, not a medical, it's term. not a medical definition. Yeah. But it's when you just feel like you've just had enough, you can't concentrate, you feel tired. Mm. So you know, th these sorts of things. Mm. So the question is again, you know, how do you know when you're un having too much stress? Right. And I think one one of the problems as well, and this is very similar with tension, is that tension happens unconsciously mm. and so does stress to a large extent mm. but relaxation is a conscious process so during the day at the end of the day you may get to the end of the day and suddenly you find oh my shoulders feel tense my neck feels stiff my back feels uncomfortable mm. and during the day, that may be because we've been going through quite a lot of stress, a lot of pressure. It could be sort of emotional, mental, or even physical kind of pressure. Mm. Um, and it's only at the end of the day we suddenly notice, actually, I feel really worn out. Because we're not thinking about that at the time. We're too mm. involved in what we're doing. Yeah. But it's at that time we start to notice it. And to get rid of that, to do something about it, we have to take some sort of action. So, And to take action, we have to engage the conscious parts of our mind. We have to start mm. to think... What can I do? Yeah. Whether that's uh, relaxation techniques, whether it's kind of taking some physical exercise or different uh, different mm. processes, mm. we have to take action on it consciously. And when we start to notice over time, when we're aware of the stress response, what's really useful is to become more aware of those stresses as we go through the day. Mm. So we notice those things that make us more stressed. 
we start to notice as tension develops in the body, as stress develops, so that it doesn't build up to a level where it becomes too late, mm. uh, but we actually begin to notice it at the time. So something that I think is really important is awareness. Mm. So we need to bring awareness into our body, into our minds, that as we go through the day, it's taking that internal sort of uh, or internal check, mm. kind of scanning ourselves and thinking, okay, how is my body feeling? How are my emotions? How is my mind? And just notice, you know, what is going on in there? Yeah, and I think it's particularly important uh, also within, not particularly, but also also very important within the context of relationships. Because remember, when you are uh, in a state of, when, when your sympathetic nervous system is activated or when you are going into a complete state of shutdown, what happens is that you're, you haven't got any capacity to relate to other people. You have no capacity to take on their stress. You have no capacity to really engage with them, to listen to them, to have any empathy, etc. So that's why it's so important that um, ultimately, if you are if you're not paying attention to uh, to stress and chronic stress, um, you're also affecting your relationship with others. Um, and and in the long run, of course, it's going to create all sorts of problems because if you can't relate, if you can't be present for your partner. If you can't have any empathy because you're too, um, because you're in a in an unsafe zone which takes up all of your energy, then of course this is going to create difficulties in your relationship in the long run. So absolutely, as Tom said, the first step is to kind of have some awareness to notice what am I, what's going on, what am I experiencing here, and then the second step, of course, is to to take some action in terms of thinking about um, ways that that soothes your system because what you want to do is you want to bring your nervous system into a parasympathetic uh, response which is where you calm your system down it's kind of where you're telling your body and your mind that there is no danger anymore that you can feel safe you can feel calm you can feel okay in the world and uh, and there are there are no sort of easy recipes here there are all sorts of exercises that People suggest that you can do, and my sense is, I mean, from my experience working with clients, is that not every exercise works for everyone. So some people really take to breathing exercises to calm the system. Certainly, really helps because if you you're telling your body that things are okay, if you're if you can breathe calmly, but some people really struggle with that and 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 find it quite difficult to get into that. So it might be also that you do a visualization that you think yourself. Uh, uh, feeling safe, so to speak, so that you imagine being in a safe uh, space. That's something that other people find really helpful. I mean, what's your experience, Tom? So what would what, you suggest normally? In yeah, terms well, of... I, I find a lot of time as well, if, if you're really stressed mm. and we've got all this adrenaline flowing through our system, mm. it can be really difficult to sit down and slow yeah. your breathing down yeah. and visualize something. And sometimes what helps as a bridge to that is yeah. to do some physical exercise, like go for a run, do some exercise you enjoy, mm. but do something that gets your heart flowing enough so you can start to get some of these hormones and everything flowing through the system you start to get your system kind of working better mm. and then you can have space where you can relax you can slow your breathing down 
and maybe do a visualization. Mm. And I think they're both important because yeah. you know to help to help relax. I think every when we do exercise, some people exercise for relaxation, mm. but actually when you're exercising, you are getting your system flowing. It's not really relaxed, and I think we need the balance. We need that energy, but we also need to balance through kind of relaxing, through slowing our breathing down, mm. and doing something that that's slower. So I think being able to do both is, is really useful. Yeah. But ultimately as well, it's it's um, a lot of these things are short term. You know, if you're using physical, in my perspective, if I'm just using physical ways to deal with mm. the stress response, mm. it's, it's, it's dealing with a symptom. Yeah, we need to find a longer term way of dealing with it. Well, we so. need to have the cause, exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, very often uh, stress responses. So if you have had very adverse experiences in life, uh, very frequently, for example, if you've had traumatic experiences in life, you're more susceptible to um, to triggers, so to speak, that get you into a state of uh, unsafety, a feeling of unsafety. So, um, so you're more likely to um, to respond to situations in a way that tell you that they're dangerous to you, and your system gets activated. So, so absolutely. So it's really always really relevant. It's not just about the how is also the why. Why am I feeling so stressed? What are the underlying causes of all of this stress? Um, are there different ways of thinking about this? You know, why am I feeling like this? Um, what's what's the kind of trigger? What is the trigger for me um, to certain uh, situations where I start to feel quite anxious, for example? So it's the why, it's the how, yeah. It's kind of it's it's what do I need to do with it? But it's kind of yeah, having some sense of what's going on here. Why am I why am I responding in this way? And then, of course, it's also the what can I do here? Yeah. So if you feel triggered, if you notice you get very anxious in this situation, are there also some cognitive um, responses that might be helpful in this situation? Yeah. So not just physiological ones. Do you want to talk about the cognitions? Well, yeah. Uh, well, I mean, yeah, so in terms of uh, cognitive responses, like, mm. and, and again, these are learned from, you know, mm. the past. We learn ways to respond, like if somebody says something to us, you might think they're being hostile, so mm. we respond in a way that makes us kind of, makes us angry to maybe defend ourselves, or makes mm. us kind of go into this kind of very, um, very kind of free state mm. where mm. we don't respond. Yeah. So, you know, and these are learned. So, you know, just because someone looks at us in a certain way or says something in a certain way, that in itself doesn't have meaning except for the meaning that we give to it. Mm. And and really, you know, one thing is, is really everything that happens around us or uh, every situation, every context in itself doesn't actually have meaning inherently in it. It's the meaning that we take from it. And it's, it's just beginning to step back and think, actually, you know, this is my interpretation. Mm. This may not really mean this. And if I'm responding to something which is causing me to feel stressed, thinking about, is there another way of seeing this? How, you know, you could think, well, how would somebody else respond to this? Mm. Like, if you know somebody who handles a similar situation in a better way, how do, you, how do they respond? What do they say to themselves? What do they think? Yeah, it's really interesting. So coming back to the polyvagal uh, theory, um, what it also describes is that when we are in this um, state of um, distress, if we're not feeling very safe in the world, we ascribe particular meanings to um, to other people and to interactions with other people. So we might even, on a physiological level, we might even, we not we might not be able to tell whether somebody is friend or foe. We might have interpretations that tell us that the other person uh, is not friendly, uh, doesn't have the best intentions for us, or, 
or we might even see your faces being looking a bit angry from our perspective but that's because we are in a state of where we can't feel safe so i think what's really important also to take away from this discussion is that uh, we need to start with, on a physiological level. So in order, when we're not feeling safe, we need to do something that kind of keep that tells our body um, that we're okay, that we can feel safe again, that we can um, have some sense of stability in our life again and safety. And then, when our body can feel can uh, feels reassured, so through breathing, for example, then the mind can follow. Then we can do the cogn the cognitive part, so to speak. Then we can do some thinking, some reflecting, some, uh, you know, some, some, uh, some uh, we can reconceptualize how we approach the world and other people in it. But um, I think what, what it tells us, what this whole theory tells us, is let's start with the body first. Again, also with breathing, that's why, you know, breathing is always emphasized uh, in, in all, uh, lots of the therapeutic work, because your body can't be, we can't be stressed and not stressed at the same time, one or the other. And if we, if we manage to regulate our body through our breathing effectively, then if we're telling our body that we are calm and soothed, then the mind can follow. But yeah, but it's getting to that state. That's not always so easy. So as you say, there can be bridges that can take us into on the way to more safety in our bodies and then ultimately in our minds. Yeah, and, and ultimately as well, we can learn to respond differently. So it's not that you have to respond in this way, because there are people who don't respond in the way that uh, some of us might to these really stressful situations. They don't respond in this way where we start to see people as being kind of um, having bad intentions because they're under stress. Yeah. Some people respond differently. Mm. A lot of these things, I believe, we learn. Mm. Uh, and, you know, once we start to control, start to kind of get the, the parasympathetic nervous system in play, mm. we can then start to kind of look at different ways of seeing things, we're more open to those possibilities. Mm. Uh, and I think, you know, as well, beginning to accept that actually stress is not necessarily a bad thing, it's about how we manage it, how we deal with it. Mm. Uh, and that sort of, this sort of acceptance can be quite powerful. Yeah, it's managing, it's managing to regulate it, isn't it? It's having mm. the... Um, because I think the the issue is around regulation is that we don't do this consciously when we're getting stressed when we're going to, into uh, a, a state of fight fright or freeze we're just we're just responding yeah? yeah without without our cognitions basically so it's kind of bringing the head in learning to bring the head in so if we can regulate uh, our bodies then we can also do some thinking around it which will help us even more to uh, to manage the situation better yeah. Absolutely. So I think we've um, spoken for quite a bit today. Yes. So let's. Uh, I think we'll finish off today's podcast. And yes. is there anything you want to add? No, there isn't really. So just wishing you a very stressful, uh, stress, stressful, <laughs> <laughs> a very stressless week ahead. That's what I was trying to say. So not too much stress. A little bit of you stress, but not too much. Um, so stressless week ahead, and looking forward to seeing you next week. Yeah, and please head over to therelationshipmaze.com where we have lots of information about how you can improve your relationships. Take good care. See you next week. Bye, Bye. for now.